Hi guys and welcome back to the Female Fitness Podcast. I'm your host Danny, and today I am joined by Andy, otherwise known as Arc Nutrition. I feel like I always have to say people's Instagram handles these days because everyone knows each other by, by that. I think more people know me by that than my actual name. Yeah, exactly. And Andy is a life coach. Prior to that, he was a fitness coach and he's also worked with people to help them manage their finances. And first of all, Andy, I think a good place to start is to ask you, what is it for those that don't know that you actually do through life coaching? Um, it's, it's, it's weird. It's quite difficult to just kind of summarize because there's a, there's a wide, wide variety of people and issues that I work with. But I would say the most fundamental thing that I do is take somebody on and then work to rewire the way that the mind works so that they can regain control over the life. So say someone's got anxiety, depression, anything like that, people will fall into a pattern of behaviours, whether it's physical behaviours, emotional behaviours, mental behaviours, and also beliefs. So it could be limiting beliefs about their capabilities in life, their ability to be well again, and whether they are actually able to. And part of a, a large part of what I do is helping them realize that the way that they think and feel isn't always correct and is quite often incorrect and then showing them different perspectives and angles for how they can view their current circumstances as well as past circumstances so it's essentially teaching somebody to reframe in some instances a large portion of the life so that they can be released from whether it's a past trauma or anything like that. So they can then actually move forward and choose the life that they want to live instead of feeling like they have to live the life that they are right now because of what they've experienced. Yeah. I, I don't know if that actually explains what I do or not, but. <laughs> that did it really well. And so some people might think that that sounds really similar to therapy. How does that actually differ from like traditional therapy? Well, from the feedback that I get from my clients that have experienced traditional talking therapies and other traditional forms of therapy before working with myself, it's when they go to more traditional therapies, they don't feel challenged in the same way that they do with me. Because one thing that a lot of people will do is we, the human mind and body will always adapt. It will adapt to anything that is presented, whether it's weather, whether it's a social situation, anything. Now, the problem is the adaptations are not always beneficial. And for a lot of people, people with depression, with anxiety, things like that perpetuate and get worse over time because the adaptations are actually maladaptive, meaning that they are adapting in a negative manner. So it could be somebody, anytime they feel any level of stress, they turn away from it to try to hide from it because they don't like the way that it feels, which makes sense. And people will believe that that what they perceive to be an intuition of that's dangerous, turn away from it, is actually the opposite of what they need to do. Because every time you turn away from a stress that you experience, your stress resilience goes down, which then means the next thing that you experience is going to hit you harder because your ability to just cope with it and continue moving is now less. Yeah. And they turn away, turn away, stress resilience goes down and down and down. And that's when things like 
anxiety can become debilitating and develop into agoraphobia where people don't even want to leave the house. And I will, right from the start, will challenge the belief. Yeah. And instead of it just, okay, well, tell me how you feel, you know, how did that event make you feel, etc. I make sure that people differentiate between what they think and what they feel because those two things are not the same. Yeah. And actually ask them to provide me with some form of proof, some form of evidence that supports the belief system that they've got in place. And there's a lot of times when I start to do that with someone, they realise very quickly that they can't actually provide it. And it's just been a system of over a period of time, they've just gotten used to saying the same thing. And then if they're surrounded by the wrong type of person, whether it's the therapist, family, friends, et cetera, that have an enabling nature, they, they fall deeper and deeper into the hole, essentially. And I'm usually one of the first people that they've come across that will fully challenge them, but I do it in a manner that makes them feel safe to be challenged. Yeah. So that's, that's probably the biggest difference. It's the fact that I don't let people live in their truth. Yeah. Because people will say, yeah, but that's my truth. And I'm like, but there, there is the truth and there is your truth. This is the most important one. What is the truth of the situation as it actually stands? Because if we all just worked off what our truth is, everybody's relationship with everybody could fall apart because how we perceive a situation may not be accurate. But yeah. the way that we perceive it is our truth. So that's why I try to stay people away from that and be a lot more logical and rational and less emotional because it's one of those, I suppose, simple situations where if when mental health or mental illness is concerned, emotion is the poison and logic is the cure. Yeah. Because too much of anything can be an awful thing. If you get somebody that is far too emotional, and not logical or rational enough, then they will they will fall into bad behaviours. They will fall into negative behaviours that, that are deleterious. If you get somebody that is too logical and too rational, you get the exact same thing. So it's about taking someone from where they are and finding where on that scale between the two extremes they exist in their happiest place yeah. and then teaching them how to sustain that. Yeah. And I personally just to share a little bit from my personal experience, because obviously I work with you, Andy, and I've had therapy in the past. Therapy was what I needed at the time. But I think that you are very good at rationalizing people's thought processes and giving a very logical perspective on any situation. Whereas when I when I personally went to therapy, it was more about learning to be okay with feeling emotion again mm. which is very different whereas yeah. you help rationalize situations help people work out their thought processes and why they occur how to become better and you help a lot with like personal development in so many ways whatever the individual's issue is yeah i mean a, a fundamental um part of what i do is emotional regulation so it's you went to therapy to essentially be, be taught or be told that it was okay to feel emotions again. Yeah. Where I come in is I taught you how to regulate them once you could, yeah. because often it can be like, it's either on or off. But when it's on, everything, every emotion's at 100%. So if you react negatively to something, it's disproportionate. Yeah. 
that's I, I'm essentially I, I install a dimmer switch so that people can understand that you can be in complete control of your emotions because emotions are reactionary, but you choose the reaction that you want to have. Yeah. So yeah. Definitely, and I think so. Today's topic we're going to talk about femininity, masculinity, how we sort of like can switch between our feminine energy and masculine energy and how that can impact our lives which is obviously something that's very relevant to what you do and something that you likely help people with and so I think a really good place to start on this topic is what is the difference between our feminine energy and our masculine energy? Yeah so masculine and feminine energy that is very similar to what I was just talking about with regards to emotions it, it, it exists on a on a sliding scale and the amount of masculine energy one woman can present in her life and be completely fine with will be different than what some what another woman can the same thing with men with regards to feminine energy um and I suppose that the, it's the individual nature of it that needs to be determined for the person. That's why everybody that I work with, I don't have um, a set process for everybody because I need to treat everybody as an individual. So it's about finding where they are at right now. To be honest, at the moment, I'm working with a lot more women that have got an issue with the masculine energy being far too dominant in their life than I am men with feminine energy. So I'll, I'll go into that just cause it will be a little bit easier to, to kind of flow and give the explanation for it. So part of, well, part of, or the large majority of the issue that has been present with the clients that I've been dealing with and helping that have felt that they are living in their masculine energy all the time. So it's not moving into it as and when needed they're existing in it all the time feel heavily influenced by social media society at large things that they've seen in the general media tv programs and essentially feminism overall so it's this push that women can do everything that men can do and almost to try and push them to exist as that person the male version of themselves but they're not the male version of themselves and the further they move into that masculine energy, the more they, the more they lose themselves. And for me, it's no different than when you act like a different person in a, in a certain social group or around a particular person. So there's something that I talk about with my clients quite a lot called the chameleon effect. So if you've got multiple different social groups, so you might, you'll have your family, your immediate family, you might have work colleagues, friends from the gym you might have old school friends that you've been friends with for the majority of your life and then you've got other friends that you've been friends with for slightly less time still meaningful connections acquaintances etc so you might have as many as eight or more different social groups that you can exist in yeah and you will be a different person in each one so the person that you are when you're with your closest your immediate family will be very different than the version of you that exists when you're with your oldest friends. And that version will be very different than when you're with colleagues. Now, we do that by and large to try to fit in as much as possible. And as people start to break away from that and just start to be the same person in every single group, 
and just be themselves as they are, as they as they feel that they should naturally be, happiness just goes up. Yeah. You, you obviously you're still going to experience sadness and everything else because it's not about trying to be happy and maintain happiness forever. That isn't the way that it works. But the happiness that they feel feels real, and that loneliness and isolation just drops off. Now there's a very similar experience for the women that I've worked with when they've stopped living in the masculine energy and just being exactly as they want to be. Yeah. So it might be that they want to they want to work but they also want to care for the partner. So they want to cook, they want to clean, you know, they want to do the female things to not get cancelled. I'm just, yeah. <laughs> just the messenger. <laughs> but that's the way that it works. And as they started to transition across, and I've, as you said before, therapist made you, made you aware of the fact that it was okay to feel emotion again. I feel like I've been telling women that it's okay to be feminine again. Yeah. Which is completely bizarre to be telling women that are in their early 20s, women that are in the 40s, even as old as in the 50s, it's okay to just live in your feminine energy as you want to, to just live life on your terms, whatever that looks like. And it, it's just it's it's been it's been a bizarre thing to go through, but the more people that I'm helping with it, the more compelled I feel to help more people. Which yeah. is why when you suggested doing this after we spoke about it on one of our sessions, I said yes straight away. Yeah. Because it's incredibly important. One of one of my clients, her relationship was at breaking point. They were she was worried that that was it. They were, it was just gonna it, it was gonna be over. And she always felt this quite quite intense state of malaise over the weekends when she wasn't working. And we'd gone through different areas in her life and worked on different elements of her emotional control and things like that. And it was when when I touched on the element of what she does around the house, what her roles are, what she does, what she feels she should do, what she wants to do we found that the disparity between what she does and what she wants to do around the house were miles apart. Yeah. And as soon as we started to close that gap and transition her from taking the bins out, mowing the lawn, you know, like jet washing the driveway, things like that, she was just like, it, it's a man's job. And she was just like, I feel like I can't say that anymore. It's just like, gosh, you can. If you, if you think taking the bins out is a man's job, then in your world, that's a man's job. If cooking and cleaning is a woman's job in your world, then that's a job that you should take. That's the role that you should have in your home. And as they started to switch and started to change jobs and she started to do the ones that she felt were her duty and allowed her partner to do the things that she'd been stopping him from doing, that's the important part. It wasn't that she was being told to do it. She was preventing her partner from doing the male roles because she had been told from an outside influence, outside of the relationship, that that's what she should do. Yeah. To prove that she was this strong, independent woman, you know, doesn't need a man, can do everything herself, which is true in a lot of cases, but you don't have to. And it was that realisation that really started to make a difference. And it was even something as simple as shifting those roles that they started to come together again, because something that I made her aware of was, you and your partner are supposed to complement each other 
not compete with each other. Yeah. There shouldn't be competition between partners, between spouses. You should complement each other as much as possible. And when you've got this conflict, it doesn't happen because if you if you as a as a female live in your masculine energy and you project it on a regular basis, you've got to think as a man, your partner, he's he's exposed to that kind of masculine energy and, and competitiveness every single time he goes out the house. Yeah. In the workplace, could be in a supermarket, but you'll get looks from another man, you know, and you end up in one of those stare downs where somebody has to look away first and it's not going to be me because we, we intrinsically know that the first one to look away is the weaker man. So we've got that combative masculine energy being thrown at us all the time. Men constantly compete with men. The last thing a man wants to do is come home and have the same energy coming at him from his partner. Yeah. But, and this is something that this one client that I'm using as the example, that she, as soon as I said it, she was like, yeah, that's it. Because a lot of women are being taught now that if a man can't handle you, you know, being strong, being independent, pushing this masculine energy, then he's not a real man or he's weak or, you know, some, something else that is reductive towards the man. Yeah. Nothing to do with that. A man will always be able to absorb and deal with masculine energy coming from a woman. He's probably not going to want to, though, especially not from his partner. Yeah. And it also comes on a spectrum as well. I think, like I said to you the day, it's not that you either have to be a housewife who doesn't make any money and doesn't do anything on their own, or you have to be a businesswoman who dedicates her entire life to business yep. and has no time for loving and caring and like their personal life. There's a huge spectrum in between that. Yeah. But if you feel a natural calling to be loving, to be caring, to have connections as a woman due to your natural feminine energy, then if you suppress that and force yourself to go into this like like businesswoman who dedicates her entire life to work and never makes time for the natural feminine characteristics that we have, then you'll probably find you very unhappy. Yeah, yeah, you've you've just articulated that perfectly because that's it. It's you're never going to be happy living in a manner that is not how you want to live regardless of the reason it's life life has always got to be on your terms yeah and it doesn't matter what happy is to you all that matters is that is what happy is to you so it doesn't matter what a social group might consider or think of it doesn't matter what family might think or anything else if you want to be a hyper successful businesswoman that doesn't get married doesn't have kids, you know, builds an empire and ends up with 10,000 employees. If that's your goal, then do that. Pursue it with everything that you've got. But if your goal is to meet someone, meet the one, fall in love, get married, have kids, and then care for that family to the best of your ability, then do that. Yeah. It doesn't matter what other people think. You know, so there's an old um, there's an old Mexican saying. 
saying that a house doesn't rest upon its foundations. It rests upon the shoulders of a mother. And that's like they're essentially the way of saying that without a mother in the home, it's not a home. Yeah. But part of the issue that's stemming from this huge push for masculine energy within women is that that element is being removed. Yeah. It's I think another part of it as well is obviously that, like you mentioned earlier, the impact that that then has on some men who want to be, it's not to say that all men should be this way, but men that want to be in their masculine energy and they want to provide when they're being challenged all the time and they almost might get into a relationship and then feel like they can't do that because they need to allow them, the woman to be strong and independent. And if they're then being in the masculine, they might feel like they're not allowing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that's that's one of the, the conflicts that's occurring. You've got women being pushed to exist in the masculine energy and men being told that they're not allowed to. You know, there's a lot of masculine traits, traditional masculine traits that are being earmarked as negative. And a lot of men are trying to move away from them. But at the same time, women are being pushed towards that. And it just it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. And whether you look at it in the micro, in respect of a relationship, or in the macro of society at large. Because it, you know, to, to take it to like the next level, I think, I suppose it just naturally um, grows to is that, you know, equality. There are things that, men do better than women and there are things that women do better than men because whether whether people like it or not women are infinitely better at at caring for people than a man is you get a man that is a good nurse or good caregiver of a form and compare his best against the average of a woman and i would put money on the woman still being better at an average yeah against one of the best men because it's just it's that nature that women have got that men can't replicate you can try but you'll never do it and there is that that exists in both sides and people think that it's all a societal construct but all you need to do is look at the animal king there is a the same hierarchy that used to exist within our society as humans exists in the animal kingdom as well yeah And I think as well on that example of caring, like if a man is in their masculine energy, they might still care for someone, but care for someone in a very different way. It's not that we should be doing every, like, for example, a woman who has a business, she might grow her business in a different way to a man might grow his business because the woman might take advantage of her her natural feminine energy and her want to do that, her want to care for clients or whatever it is. Yeah. And man might scale his business in a very different way. And I think that's also um, a problem with a lot of like, there's a lot of obviously business gurus on Instagram and things like that, especially in the fitness space now. And they're treating everyone the same. So that's an issue as well, because people should grow their business in different ways based on their natural feminine and masculine characteristics. Yeah, because we, we're not all the same. We, and it just, 
if society had to be pushed so that we were all held to the same standards, and every job, like equality became just the way, and it was just like, that's it. Everything's going to be equal. For every one female nurse, there has to be one male nurse. The quality of care in hospitals would fucking plummet because men wouldn't be as good. If for every one male engineer, there had to be a female engineer, that industry would be negatively affected by that. We will always be our best as individuals and as a society if the people that are best at a particular thing are the ones that do those particular things. Yeah. So like with what you were saying with business, one of my current clients, female client helping her with the business side of things, she'd been working with another male um, business mentor and he was very much on like the hard sell, you know, pushing like cold messages, etc. just basically fucking spamming everybody and just approaching people for the numbers and it being about get the sales. You know, if you contact enough people, you will, you'll get enough conversations going, you'll get enough sales, you'll make the money. There was no care. There was no compassion. Yeah. And it just wasn't working for her. When she came to me, I understood that straight away. And I was just like, what is the most important thing for you? And it was the client experience and the way that they felt from the, through the whole thing from start to finish. And I was just like, that's what we focus on. Yeah. Before we spoke about sales, about marketing, about anything, we made sure that the service that she was providing was to the best standard that she could possibly provide so that everything was done to her liking so that she felt that her clients were going to feel cared about as an individual, not as a number. And as soon as that was in place, her sales started to go up. Yeah. because she no longer felt disingenuous because when she was just going for numbers and treating people as if they were just there to give her money that wasn't what her purpose was so she couldn't do it she was no good at it and as soon as she followed her actual purpose and delivered in the way that she wanted to she's fine and she's now earning a lot of money from it I think that's a great example and also do you think that if a woman is pushed to be very masculine in her work life or her business, whatever it, whatever that looks like, do you think that often has an impact on the way that she shows up personally or do you think it's easy to switch between the two? No, it's, it's definitely, it's what I refer to as the bleed effect. So how you act in one area of your life is going to bleed into another and like a, a way of, I'm explaining this is if something is going incredibly well in one area of your life, the positivity and the happiness that you gain from that in that particular area of your life, whether it's business or relationship or whatever, that positivity bleeds into the other areas of your life. And then overall, everything will come up. And the same thing happens for the negative. If a particular area of your life is just the arse has fallen out of it and it's going really fucking badly, that negativity bleeds into the others. So that's why emotional regulation is something that is the, that one of the highest priorities for me with my clients because the better able you are to regulate your emotions, it's like you can close the airlock. You, yeah. can, you can stem the flow. So if you've got someone that is trying to exist in a masculine energy, so we use a woman, for example, say you've got a female that's trying to exist in a masculine energy heavily in the workplace, so that she feels that she can compete and get ahead to where she wants to be, that will impact the way that she is when she then comes home. Yeah. 
it's very difficult through neural switching to just go and turn off and then go back to the other person. And again, the problem that that causes is that how long is it going to be before you feel like you are being two different people? And which one's the fraud? Which one's the imposter? Because that's that will eventually become an issue. It's like, is the version of me that I'm being at work false? Am I being who I think I need to be to be able to succeed in that environment? If you need to be a different person to succeed in that environment, it's the wrong environment. Because you'll only be able to maintain that facade for a certain period of time until it really starts to impact you. Yeah. So an example, um, when people feel lonely, somebody starts with me and they, they cite loneliness or isolation as one of the chief problems that they've got, I always check the chameleon effect in their life. It's the first thing that I will go to because I can guarantee the only time that they are ever their true self is when they're on their own. They will be who they think other people want or need them to be at work, with the family, with the friends, wherever they, they are at any given moment. And when they get home and they're on their own, that's the only time that they take the mask off. So the only time that they are ever their true self, they're always alone. So how would you not feel isolated if that was the case? Yeah. And that's how people feel. They've got friends, they've got family, they've got colleagues. They go to parties, they go to the bar at the weekend, they go here, there and everywhere. They go for meals, they do whatever it is, some form of social function. They do these things, but they still feel completely alone. And it's because they're not doing all of those things as themselves. Yeah. And it's almost like they're telling themselves, right, you as you are, your true self, you're not good enough to be seen by other people. So I'll let you out your box when we get home. But other than that, you need to, you need to play the part. And it just, it corrodes people's self-esteem and confidence very, very quickly. And it can be quite a profound impact. Yeah. And that's why as soon as you start to transition someone from that isolation and actually letting their true self out, and you know, actually putting boundaries in place for other people to protect themselves from it, it changes everything. That loneliness yeah. starts to alleviate immediately. Yeah, and it's much better. Like you have to ultimately be your true, authentic self to feel real connection. And yep. you would people would be much better off, obviously, be being themselves a hundred percent of the time and having less connections, but those connections being really valuable connections with people who value them for who they are, then loads of friend, friends that don't actually value them for, for who they actually are. But a lot of people end up going down the route of just having lots of very surface level connections. Yeah, yeah and a lot of people make decisions for other people like at some point they have got to the point where they've decided that other people won't like the real them. Now you've not given them the chance to make that decision. You've not given those people the opportunity to actually get to know the real you and decide whether they like you or not. Yeah. So that, that is also part of the problem. It's just an assumption that their true self isn't going to be liked, and that's why they hide them. And then you end up like you were just saying, which is completely correct. You end up with, very superficial connections in your life but 
the superficial connections that they then fear losing. And people lose track of the fact that having one or two genuine connections where you can be your real, the real version of you, your true self, in those one or two connections is infinitely better than having 10, 15, 20 acquaintances, people that don't really know you and that you never feel fully content or happy around. Yeah. And I can definitely vouch for that as well because I have better quality friendships and uh, relationships with the people in my life than I ever have done before, but I do have less friends than I've had in the past, but I feel much happier and much more connected. So I can very much vouch for that. And I suppose that that ties in really well to the sort of feminine, masculine energy subject we were talking about, because if you're in a relationship and you're forcing yourself to be someone you don't want to be by forcing yourself into your masculine energy, you're not going to feel happy in that relationship. Yeah. Yeah, because... I, th- I think that's probably one of the times when people lie the most and it's one of the most detrimental times to actually be dishonest when you first meet someone. So you might meet someone and you're, you're more concerned when you sat across the table from them on that first day, you're more concerned with whether they like you instead of whether you like them. And the problem is, is that if you're putting on a facade that you think they're going to like more than the real you and they're doing the same thing, you're not on a date with that person and they're not on a date with you. You're on a date with each yeah. other's representative. The problem is, is that this, it's actually really prevalent. People don't realise. They start dating and one of them might say, oh, I really like this thing. They're, oh, me too. They don't, they've never heard of the band before. But they want to be liked, so they will lie. And then the problem is, is that you end up forming a bond over things that aren't actually real. The human mind can only maintain a facade. an altered persona so to speak for three to four months at the most and after that it is going to fall apart but then that means that six months in you end up you're in a relationship and you don't recognize the person that you're in a relationship with because it's not the person that you met i mean how often do you hear a friend say i just want i just want to be with the person that i met i want them to be how they were when we first met yeah if that's how you know your friend or somebody that you know is speaking about the partner, it's because the person that they met wasn't the real them. They're experiencing the real them now. And the best thing to do would be to just be yourself. Let them see who they're actually going to be in a relationship with. You know, if if you are incredibly feminine and you're, say, say you had completely traditional views, you know, you wanted to be a wife, a mother, you are a 2.4 children and a house that you look after. And that is, you are the alpha in that house because you look after it. You care for everybody that is in it and everybody that comes into it. And you do it amazingly well. <clears throat> if that's what you want. Never tell anybody any different because it, the, it, it, it's not subject to validation. Other people don't need to agree with what it is that you want. And that is true for anything, anywhere on that spectrum, from one extreme to the next. Like we were saying before, if you want to build an empire, great. If you want to be what I've just said, great. Same thing with a man. People need to become more comfortable with just being themselves. 
Yeah. It's really, really important. I can't, I can't, I can't overstate it. The importance of finding where on that scale you actually exist at your best is too important to not dedicate time to. So to use an example, as you mentioned briefly, I, I, I used to be a financial advisor. So yeah. I helped people with financial issues, debt, etc. And through um, helping people with business, I've, I've experienced another this, this kind of thing in a different way but there will be a financial um, position in life an income so to speak where people will be happiest so let's say we'll use you as an example say you were earning fifty thousand pounds a year and you were like i want more i want 100 and you did the necessary you made the necessary sacrifices putting the necessary effort for long enough to get to 100 and then when you got to 100 everything in life was cushed in. you didn't need to worry about your bills being paid you were comfortable money was being saved you could invest it in yourself in your company etc and everything was good you could help friends if they needed it 100k and you're loving life and then you get it in your head and you think see if i can do 200 so you make the necessary moves and you push and you get to 200 you're earning double but life isn't as sweet because you don't have as much time now to spend with those friends that need you. Yeah. It might not be that they need money. They might just need Danny and a coffee. They might just need your counsel on something, but you're that busy now. You don't have the time and your friends, your family might want to see you, but you can't because you've got business obligations coming up. So your happiest point is at hundred thousand. The best way to find where your happiness lies is to go beyond it. Yeah. Whatever that's whatever the scale is, go beyond it. Same thing with the physique. Might think once I look like that, that's where I'm going to be most comfortable in myself physically. And then when you get there, you think oh, I want to be a bit leaner. I want to be a bit leaner, a bit leaner, a bit leaner. So you get that bit leaner and that bit leaner, and then you get to the the extreme that you've gone to, and you realise that life isn't as good as it was five body fat percentage points earlier because yeah. you can't have a muffin when you go for a coffee with your friend. And when you go for a coffee, you have to have a fucking black coffee because you can't afford the calories because you need to stay super lean, you know? So you've got to a point you've gone beyond it. And it's the fact that you gain the perspective from going beyond this point here to here that you realize that this is where you were happiest. More people need to do that. And I was going to say as well, what would you say? Would you say the same thing for someone? Say they feel like actually they're unsure of whether they should tap into their feminine energy more and whether that's what they really want or whether, say, say it's a woman who has her own business and she is in sort of the middle ground. So she's got some time to, to be feminine. She's got She's got a partner. She's got time to be loving and caring, but she's also got a business that she wants to grow. She's unsure of how, what's going to make her happy in terms of how feminine to be and how masculine to be. Would you say it's the same thing? So she might have to push the boundaries with that to find out what her true happiest point is, or is there another way in which she can sort of decipher what's right for her and whether she is naturally more feminine or not? 
Yeah, with that, you, you could just push. You could be like, right, I'm going to tap into the masculine energy a little bit more and exist in it for a little bit longer to see what it produces. But I think that's, that's a misconception that is part of what's being damaging to women right now, that in order to be successful, you've got to exist in that masculine energy. It doesn't. You can be just as successful being in your feminine energy because there will be things that you will do in your business that is that is only going to be found when you're existing in your feminine energy that you'll miss. So customer care, for example, customer service. It could be that that's your highest priority. And there's a perfect example. You can, you can take things from... You, women can learn things from men. Men can learn things from women without having to adopt the personality traits. Yeah. So one of the biggest companies on earth, one of the most successful companies on earth, Amazon, created and until recently run by a man. But what's the one of the main defining attributes that he puts the success of Amazon down to? The fact that his highest priority at all times was customer service. Which I don't know if you've ever bought anything from Amazon and you needed to return it, but it's like that so easy to do. Yeah. You know, it's that it's, you don't get into this battle with them to try and justify why you should get your money. They just, yeah, cool, whatever, give me your money back. That is a far more feminine trait than a masculine trait because it's non-combative, but it works perfectly well. So you've got a male-run business that has been as successful as it has because at its core, it's got a feminine trait. Yeah. Caring for people. Now, that doesn't mean that Jeff Bezos had to be in his feminine energy to be able to do that. He just realized that that, as a feminine trait, is incredibly, incredibly powerful and beneficial. So he's adopted it, which yeah. makes sense. Women can do the same thing. You can adopt a, a masculine trait without having to identify with it, without having to live it. Yeah. And I think and you can also get help from people that are more masculine. Yeah. In your business without taking on that trait yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's it. I think when it comes to investing in a business, that that's the time when upscaling a business really comes into its own. Because it could be, right, what do I need to do to to increase the 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 viability of that area of the business i need to do x y and z is that what i'm best at no right i'm going to find someone that's better at that than me and get them to do it instead so it could be female ceo who has a company has something that needs to be controlled that would be better controlled by a man than a woman purely because of the nature of that individual there's nothing wrong with that yeah I, when it, it went with, say, within my company, I will be taking on somebody else to, to coach alongside me. And I, I'm 99% certain that when I announce that I've got another coach or a therapist that is joining my company or two, they'll be female. Yeah. They won't be male. And I have absolutely zero issue with that. I don't have any kind of, oh, I'm going to keep it male. I want, it to, I want it to be men. I want it to be about this. But again, some of the women that I work with, female, have businesses, they almost feel compelled to only hire women. Yeah. Because it's like they, they, that's what they feel that they should do. 
as if they need to protect themselves and the, the women from masculine energy coming from a male whilst projecting it themselves. Yeah, but does in that, reality, it's about, yeah, it does. Because it's about allowing, allowing ourselves to be our true selves and to express what comes naturally to us and to play to our strengths and also to work together, whether that's in business or whether it's in relationships we complement each other in the way that we are naturally. And so it's not like, I hate this, I hate the narrative of like women against men. It's not, we're not against each other, like we complement each other. And well, that's like I said earlier, we're supposed to complement each other in a relationship. We're not supposed to compete with each other, but it feels like everything recently has been about competition, segregation, whether it's been about race, whether it's been political, whether it's a, it, like everything, Brexit, who, who the prime minister is going to be, the queen dying, people use that to segregate people. Whether, you know, if somebody wasn't negative about the queen passing away, then they were a royalist. You know, you're a bootlicker. But if you weren't entirely positive, then you were on the other side. It's like people don't understand that this is one extreme, this is the other, and there's all of this space in the middle where you can exist. And that's where you find the best of people the people that can actually see things from both sides. Yeah. And it's, we need to start to move back towards that. So for me, the way I coach, I'm not an emotional person. As you know, through experience, we've been friends for a long time and we've been working together for a while. I'm not an emotional person. All of my emotion that I'm capable of producing is saved for my kids, for Beth, my parents. That's about it. So if I'm going to take on another coach, I'm going to take on a female that will be, I will, I will mentor her to coach more towards my style, but with her unique element to it, which will be a higher level of compassion, a higher level of care for the emotional side of things. Because there might be somebody that really needs the structure of how I do things, but wouldn't get on well with my nature. Yeah. They would need more care. They would need more consideration and a, maybe a softer approach. So I want to be able to provide that. And I know for a fact that I will be able to provide that to a higher standard by having a female coach than a male coach. Yeah. So that, that is, if I wasn't willing to do that, that would be a weakness in me and my company. I understand the power of feminine energy. And that's why I want women to start to live in it again. Yeah. Exactly. And so if a woman is listening to this and she has a bit of a light bulb moment and she realizes that she is forcing herself to, to live much more in her masculine energy when she has a desire to, to care for people, to love people, to have good quality connections in her life, um, to have a family, but she's not allowing space for that but she's been forcing herself to live in her masculine for a really long time to the point it almost feels like her identity now. How should she go about starting to change that? One of the first things I would do is take a step back and think about who she feels compelled to live in this energy for. Yeah. Who, who does she feel she has been pushed towards it by? And then define how important those people or that group, that community, et cetera, how important they actually are in her life and see how that energy impacts the people that actually mean the most to her. Because whenever I've, whenever I've wanted to 
be reflective of myself and the way that I've been. I always return back to my philosophy for who is important and who isn't, which is if they died tonight, would it change my tomorrows? Because there's a lot of people that I know and that I speak to. And if they die, if I got a message later on this evening and somebody said, oh, have you heard about such a body? Like, he just, he's died. I might be like, oh, fuck. Like, it might be sad. I might not cry, but I'd be like, shit. Like, that's fucking awful. But then I'd carry on. I'd get up tomorrow at the same time. I'd have my breakfast in the same way. I'd do all my coaching calls. My life would carry on essentially untouched. But then there'd be other people. So like, say if it was my mum that died, that would derail my world for a little while. Yeah. I would, that, would, that would hit me harder than just about anything. So my mum's on that list. A lot of other people are. It's an incredibly short list. So I use that list of if they died tonight, would it change my tomorrows? Those are the people that matter the most. Those are the people whose opinions actually matter to me. Those are the people whose counsel I will seek and actually listen to. Everybody else is irrelevant. And I don't mean that from a heart's perspective of just saying like, oh, I don't give a shit about you, you're irrelevant. But it's from who's going to influence me and my happiness and my world. And if more people started to live that way, they would understand that there's a lot of what they do that they are influenced by that they shouldn't be. And to say shouldn't be is a bit strong, but it's also it's also accurate. So if a woman does resonate with some of the things that we've said and thinks, yeah, you know what? I'm not showing up as myself. I'm not representing who I actually want to be. I'm being who I think I should be. Take a step back. You know, it's like one of my favorite sayings is you can't read the label when you're inside the jar. And sometimes you need to, you need to get out the jar so that you can see what, what am I at the moment? Is that how I want to be known? Define what happiness is for you. What you what what happiness in your life would look like? You know what what sort of partner have you got? You know where do you live? What's your house like? What do you do with your day? What do you actually feel fulfilled by? And then start to build your life around that. And it might mean changing your job. It might mean losing friends, colleagues, etc. If you're happier at the end of it. And any sacrifice is worth it. Definitely. I love that. And so do you have anything that you would like to add? Any sort of messages that you think that people really need to hear who are listening to this podcast? I would probably just say, just take the time to actually define who you want to be. Because it's, it's, it's worse than ever at the moment. And it's not just because of social media. It's because of everything at the moment. But there's so much pressure to try to be something that nobody knows what that thing is. Yeah. Like virtue signaling is one of the worst things. There's too many things in the world to care about, to care about everything. But if somebody feels moved by a particular movement that's happening on social media and you don't share it, you don't talk about it. People, I've seen people be attacked because they've not shared something about a particular thing, but that's because they're, they're busy focusing and carrying on something else that's more important to them. And one of the best things that you can do is become so secure with your identity of who you are. You can't be shaken by things like that. People 
fear the opinion of other people when you're unsure of yourself. Confidence issues will be worse. Trust issues will be worse. Self-esteem will never be as high as it could be. Happiness will be elusive all the time until you genuinely know who you are, what you want from life, why you do what you do, what your purpose is. You know, it's like people say, find your why. And it's gotten to the point now where it's a bit, it's a bit airy-fairy. People, find your why. But it is important to I know think, what your purpose is. And do you know what? I think a lot of people feel lost on where to even start when it could because they have no idea what makes them happy anymore they're like where the hell do I start and something I get my clients to do actually is if anything ever if they ever notice a moment where they feel really happy really calm at peace or joyful I get them to write it down in the notes on their phone Mm -hmm. on a list and then they'll then end up with this this list of things that things or people that they spend time with that make them feel really, really genuinely good and happy and at peace and joyful and content and fulfilled. And then they can use that list to then think about what their their best life would look like. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a good approach for it. One thing that I, I like to use inversion thinking, which is essentially whatever your goal is, instead of thinking about what you need to do to achieve it, think about what you need to do to fucking ruin your chances of achieving it. Because naturally we are better at thinking the negative than the positive. So say you say you're talking with a client, they say, Oh, I just want to be happy. That's something that I hear so often and it's so vague. Yeah. I just want to be happy. Right. Brilliant. What is that? What does happiness look like for you? I don't know. So I will then invert it. And then it's, well, what would make you miserable? You know, and yeah, I, I always get things like never seeing my family. Like, right, okay, so we know that spending time with your family is important to you. That's something that has to be an element in your life, core element in your life. Spending time with my kids, putting the kids to bed, you know, or taking the time to be in nature, actually feeling like they're progressing in something in life. Because as they go through the inversion thing, they think, losing my job or, you know, never getting a promotion, always earning the same amount of money. Um, just anything, anything. It's usually fundamentally comes down to personal growth. Yeah. Of anything that is classed as personal growth in life, whether it's finances, relationships, family, etc. never achieving any of those things. So then you just flip it back on its head and then you've, you've got a cheat sheet for how to make yourself happy, for what that happiness looks like. I've done that with a lot of clients and it's been highly effective because it then gives you a list and you're like, right, these are the things that make you happy. How many things on that list can you tick right now? You might be like, right, well, I've got a list of 10 things and I can tick one of them. It's like, right, well, we've got some work to do. And how many things that are on that list do you do on a daily basis? You know, and each one of those things that is in place might have to be removed. Because yeah. a lot of people just focus on what they do and don't put enough focus on what they don't do. Well, you need to look at both lists. You need to be conscious of everything that you currently do and everything that you currently don't do. And then take the right ones from each list and then create a new list of it. Yeah. That will move you closer towards it. I love that. And I think that's a great place to sort of round off this podcast. And I think that 
it will be really insightful and potentially life-changing for a lot of people to listen to. And so, Andy, we've mentioned your Instagram. Where else can people find you? You know, if they want to get in contact, they're interested in life coaching, where should they contact you? To be honest, Instagram is the best place. Um, I've, I've got a website being constructed at the moment. That's not live yet. Um, so, yeah, Instagram would be the easiest way for somebody to get in touch with me. Just send me a dm anything whether it's a voice note written message anything but i don't bite i'm a lot nicer than i look (laughs) perfect for anyone listening i'll put andy's instagram in the description down below so don't hesitate to message him or either of us if you have any questions tag us in your instagram story if you're listening to this and if you do enjoy the content on the female fitness podcast please do like, subscribe and leave a comment down below. Thank you so much for listening and I will see you in the next one.